If you want some inspiration on the potential growth that you can have as a freelancer, you are going to love this episode with Allison Haynes. Uh, you are listening to the Successful Fashion Freelancer Podcast. I am your host, Heidi, and Allison is a student in our Freelance Accelerator program. Um, she actually took the program years back, like four and a half years ago or something. When I first started it, she was the very first student that I tested out all the content on. And in her four plus years of freelancing, she is kicking so much butt. I had Allison on the podcast back in March. Well, the episode aired in March of 2020. We had recorded it in October. I was like going on maternity leave and I got really ahead of schedule on recording. Um, and back then she was doing very well with her, uh, freelance career. We'll link to that episode in the show notes. It's episode 103. Um, so if you want a little more backstory on her story and how she's grown her business, definitely check out that episode first. But in this episode, we're going to jump into what Allison has been up to the past two years, how her business has grown, uh, to the point that it's like bursting at the seams. She's, um, making 70% more than her previous full-time income when she was working in the industry. And she's doing work that she loves. She's very, very selective about her clients. She is booking them like two to three months in advance because she is so busy. And yet clients are still waiting and saying, yes, I will line up for that. Um, She talks a lot about how she got to the point of being at capacity with her business and continually raising her prices. Um, I do want to give a disclaimer. We talk about this a little bit in our conversation is that Allison is very advanced in her freelance career and some of the strategies that she's using. So if you are just starting out, use this as inspiration, but do not get overwhelmed that these are things that you need to implement. So take that with a little bit of a grain of salt and get inspired. Um, And if you are at the point where you do want to grow, then I think you can Definitely take some of the tips that Allison has done to uh, get more clients, to increase your income, and to continue to do more of the work that you love as a freelancer in fashion. Um, Here's how this episode wound up panning out. We had scheduled it as one episode, and Allison and I had planned to do a little bit of an interview to catch up on her success as a freelancer. And then the second half, we had planned to do a little bit of a strategy session um, as a student inside a freelance accelerator. Uh, students get the opportunity to do one-on-one fr- uh, freelance strategy sessions with me. Um, those do then get air on the podcast. And so we did that in the second half, but we wound up talking for so long, it was like an hour and 40 minutes that we split it into two parts. So this is part one, where we talk about Allison's story and the growth that she's had over the years. And then part two, which will air next week, um, will have the second part of Allison's uh, conversation with me, which is her strategy session. And we talk about how she can grow her business, even though she's at capacity. We go through a ton of different ideas that she can implement that feel good for her, um, which she is to the point of wanting to hire someone. And so we talk about what type of work should she be passing off, how she can think about managing that person, um, what to look for in that person that she's hiring. Um, So if that sounds interesting to you, then you'll love part two as well, which will come out next week. Uh, But as I said, in this part today, we really just talked through Allison's story and she shares some strategies and some really insightful uh, pieces of advice on how she has grown so much over the years. So I'm super excited to share this episode with you. Um, if you are working on building or growing your freelance career, I want to share my best free resources with you. You can head on over to soheidi.com slash freelance 
S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash freelance. We'll link to that in the show notes and grab all my best free resources for freelancing exclusively in the fashion industry. Um, and if you are interested in being part of our freelance accelerator program, it launches and opens just a couple times a year. And I would love to share the details with you. If you go grab those free resources, you'll get dropped into the email list and we'll be able to notify you when that opens. So, um, uh, that's the best way to find out about that. You can also give us a follow, give us me. It's me on social media. It's me. Um, a follow over at so Heidi, uh, on Instagram is where I am hanging out. Uh, there is a, we in the business, but Instagram is me. So, uh, I think without further ado, we're ready to dive into the conversation with Allison and learn about how she grew her income by 70, beat her full-time income by 70% as a freelance pattern maker. So here we go. Let's jump in. Allison, um, welcome back to the Successful Fashion Freelancer podcast. Um, It has been about two years since we last talked, and I know a few little amazing updates about your freelance business from some DMs on Instagram, which I always love seeing what you're up to on there. Um, but I thought it was about time to have you back on. And also as a fast student, um, we decided to do a little bit of a strategy session on this call too. So it's like half interview, half strategy session, and I'm sure it'll be super fun and we'll chat about all the awesome things. So for those of you who haven't listened, and we'll link to Allison's original interview in the show notes, um, which was episode 103, um, again, recorded about two years ago. Why don't you give us all a quick update uh, or background on who you are and what you do uh, as a freelancer in the fashion industry? Yeah, thanks, Heidi. Um, So yeah, my name is Allison Haynes. I'm a freelance pattern maker who helps women's low fashion brands overcome technical unknowns and get designs to production with confidence. So yeah, I've been doing that um, freelancing full-time for a little over four years now and totally love it. This is amazing. And your pitch is really dialed in. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'd have to re-listen to what you had said two years ago, which I'm still, I'm sure was still very good, but you have really refined that. Um, and I know that you've refined your niche over the years as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't you catch us up on like what's gone on in the past two years? So I know, you know, when we chatted originally about two years ago, you had beat your full-time salary by about 25%. Um, and you were working a reasonable 40 hours a week. This is not, you know, 60, 80 hours. You're spinning your wheels all the time. Um, I know you're very good about work-life balance. Uh, maybe I'm not, I hope not putting words in your mouth, but from everything I've always <laughs> known about you, um, so you had a very good work-life balance. You had just a couple years of industry experience. You live in St. Louis, Missouri, not exactly a fashion mm-hmm. hub. Um, you built your your freelance career uh, pretty quickly up to exceeding your full-time income. So what has happened the last two years since we last chatted? Yeah, so a lot of, like you mentioned, like focusing down on really what I do and who I help. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy how... Like, and I know we talked about this last time I was on the podcast of, you know, it's so scary to like narrow down what you do and who you do it for and like to say no to paying work. Um, but (laughs) the more that I've like done that and really focused on exactly like what type of brands and what size of brand and what category and what services I do, um, the more like business comes to me organically. So 
I guess in the past two years, like I've really focused more on that, um, as well as kind of more of the business side of things. So I think that was one thing when I first started freelancing, I didn't really realize how much of being a freelancer was actually like running a business. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And, and just like, because a lot of my time is not spent actually like making patterns, which is what, you know, I'm a pattern maker. So you'd think I'd just spend my whole day making patterns, but I don't. (laughs) Um, I always love when I get to on certain days, but you know, a lot of it is running the business and I, and I've kind of gone, I know, you know, in the beginning I did this too. And I know in, in the fast course you teach, you know, pitching and reaching out to brands, and I did that at first, and it was a great way to get the ball rolling. But mm-hmm. then I I don't enjoy doing that as much. And yeah. I really like kind of like educating and helping the brands in the, in the in the niche that I work with. Yeah. And so that kind of like organically kind of led me to really more the way that I market and, um, you know, find new clients and run my business is more through like content marketing. So ah. like I blog and I have a podcast now, um, over the, that I started a little over a year ago. And so like a lot of those things take up my time as well, but I've really, I've really seen a lot of growth in my business, even as, you know, things at the beginning of the pandemic were really slow as everyone was like, hang on, like yeah. what's really going to happen <laughs> in the world, you know, kind of beginning of last summer, 2020. And so I spent a lot of time kind of on those business side of things and focusing down like on that and really kind of starting to have more of a strategy of like what I'm doing and why um, on that side of things that then once work started picking back up really I think helped like kickstart that again of when people were ready to work with me then I had really spent time like you know, getting my business, um, like working on the business side while things were slow. And I've seen a lot of growth then over the past like year and a half because of it. That's amazing. Um, I mean, I, I, I follow you on Instagram and I do see you blog regularly. You have your podcast where you interview brands that they seem like they're more or less in your niche. They're like your ideal mm-hmm. customer brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the organic growth that has come from that is really exciting to see that pay off. Um, I, I want to just have a quick question here about, because I think some people listening could think, oh, well, I could just start blogging and maybe make a podcast and podcast might feel overwhelming for some people, but I could just start blogging and posting on Instagram and a bunch of clients are going to come to me. Um, do you, th- how do you think that would have worked if you had started that from day zero as opposed to following um, some of the fast framework and really kind of figuring out who your customer was, what your niche was, and then pitching, and then you refined and you refined. It sounds like you've refined even more. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. once you're to a point of, I hope I'm not leading you into an answer. And if, if I am, then that's fair. You no, no, no. Give me I, a rebuttal. I totally, yeah. um, but I, but I, the reason I, I bring this up is because I think a lot of people are like, oh, I can just blog post and, and create a website and, and get traffic and, and um, get people to my Instagram. And I actually think that's a really, really hard way to start from zero. I think what you've done. Yeah. yeah, Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I I would have had, like, I had a, 
the only thing I started with was I had a portfolio website, which I'd pretty much had since college uh-huh. and hadn't really updated much since college yeah. either. Yeah. Um, so like very simple contact page, portfolio page, about page, like okay. that was it. Yeah. Um, and you know, got really like no traffic came to me through my website. Like I pretty much, nobody really reached out, you yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> through my website. It was all through referrals or pitches at the yep. beginning. Yep. Um, the first couple of years. So, and I don't think it was like, I'm glad I had the website to like have a place to start doing this. Cause I think had I decided, Oh, I need to build a website and start blogging and do all this. Like it would have been so overwhelming. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of work now. Yeah. Um, but if I didn't really know, um, like it's really hard to write something or, you know, even speak when you don't know who you're talking to. Yeah. Um, so it would not have worked at all had I started right away because it would have been kind of like a disjointed conglomeration of like whatever I had crossed my mind that day is probably what have you know, would have written a blog post about. Because you had started, right, If correct me if I'm wrong, you had started as a general technical designer. Mm-hmm. Like you were doing tech packs, you were doing pack, like you were just kind of generalist. Mm-hmm. Different yeah. categories, different Gen, you know, men's, women's, different size, like kind of a little bit of everything, just technical design. Yeah, I was always just women's, but technically oh, okay. I was more general. Okay. Um, and now where are you at? Yeah, so now I still do some technical design, but really my focus is on the pattern making side and okay. specifically um, helping brands where, like, uh, like, so a lot of the brands I work with are kind of like mission or values focused, Okay. Um, kind of slow fashion. A lot of them are self-funded or crowdfunded. Um, they're often like the founder is the designer and right. many, many of them, um, they might have a small team, but generally I think like 20 person team is the biggest client I have. Okay. Um, so they're all, you know, some of them are just one person. So on small end and a lot of them don't have a background in the fashion industry. So okay. they kind of came into fashion from like wanting to solve a problem of like seeing a gap in the market. Yep. Um, several of them have like a business background or even finance and accounting background. Um, so they've got like the business end taken care of. And then they work with me on like, I have this idea. I have no clue how to get this make, made right. and like patterns and tech packs and like I don't even know how to answer my factory's question. Like that's all <laughs> overwhelming to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't want to deal with the numbers of grading. They're like, I need, like, I, I know I need a size chart, but I don't know how to put one together, you know? Yep, yep. So all those things. So I'm very then focused on like helping that type of designer, um, go from having their creative design done to having everything that they need to take to a factory for production. Okay. Gotcha. And really it sounds like super niche down to like, not even just that small startup, but then you said also like mission and value driven, um, mm-hmm. kind of slow fashion. So very, very focused, which mm-hmm. I love. And I love and I didn't that you always even focus it that much. Okay. And you know, I kind of gave you more information about you know who my client is than I have like in my pitch, you know, okay. that I, like started with, yeah. but I do have like slow, slow women's fashion brands in there. Okay. And it, and that was even in the past year that I added in like specifically 
saying I work with women's slow fashion brands as opposed to just women's women's yeah Mm -hmm. because I was like that's like I get along with these people I kind of I I'm I'm kind of a proponent of those same ideas yeah um and if I'm attracting that type of brand anyway and I enjoy working with them why not just state it yeah and I and it hasn't really like it might you know I don't know who it turns away but I haven't really felt like I've actually had more leads this past year than <laughs> you know than I ever have. Yeah. Um, and and even some cases, I get people reach out and say, "Hey, I know you only work with women's brands, but I'm like starting a kids brand. Is there any way like do you take that on, or can yeah. you recommend someone else?" Yeah. So and I do recommend them to someone else because I, I don't do kids. Yeah. But like it doesn't even stop people from reaching out, even if they don't fit in that very narrow niche That's that so... I'm specifically pitching to, which yeah. is wild to me. (laughs) It is wild. I mean, it took me a really, really long time to wrap my head around this. And as you know, we just pivoted the business. Um, so we were doing everything from illustrator and tech packs and repeating patterns and finding Mm -hmm. jobs and, and starting your fashion brand and freelancing. And it was like, even though it was in the niche of fashion, it was still too broad. And so we just focused to freelancing, which I was really nervous about and took me about six months to like pull the trigger on. And we've seen, I mean, in the six months since we've like officially pivoted, our revenue has practically tripled. It's insane. Insane. Yeah. 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 And actually, so it was funny <laughs> that when you said that, because like one thing that made me realize like I need to focus is yeah. on my portfolio. I was like, I had like textile design and pattern making and like fashion design and, and tech packs like all on my portfolio when I first started. Okay. And I was like, well, you like, I want some way for people to narrow down to exactly what they're looking for. So then I kind of put like tabs at the top of okay. like buttons at the top of like okay. filter to only pattern making work or only whatever. Yeah. And then I was like, why am I doing this? Like if, <laughs> if I have to have like different buckets of things for people to find what they're looking for. It's too much. Like it's yeah. too much. Yeah. yeah and totally. I, I remember on your site, like you kind of had the same thing. Like if you're a freelancer, here's episodes for you. Oh and my God. Yeah. You know, a brand. It's too much. Too. Yeah. And then when we were like, so you said too, you're, you're now, um, creating regular blog content, you're podcasting regularly and you have a very specific person that you're talking to and it's really easy mm-hmm. to talk to them. And we had gotten to the point where I was like, we're trying to talk to everybody. It's so hard. And it, it kind of just spun out of control over the years. Um, mm-hmm. and we just were like, we have to reel it back. And now of course, the website's not updated because that's a whole nother slew of like, uh, that's the project for 2022. But um, mm-hmm. but it's so much easier now to like write our email content and do our podcast interviews. And um, they almost write themselves. They like, really do. Yeah. Yeah, they really do. And so I guess the takeaway here, dear listener, is don't try to do everything you're actually doing yourself Um mainly yourself and your clients, your prospective clients too, a huge disservice. Like I know it feels really scary to focus, um, but it just, it it makes everything a hundred times easier. So, Mm -hmm. um, okay. So you've had organic growth and it sounds like that's coming a lot from the content marketing that you're doing, which is mostly Mm -hmm. podcast, blogging, and then promoting those two things on Instagram. Um, yeah, and and I post on LinkedIn as well. Oh, you do do LinkedIn, and I, okay. yeah, and I have a email newsletter, but that's smaller. I would say Instagram is where most people follow me. Okay, so I get like the most like I still get referrals, but I get the most leads either coming to me through Instagram or actually at this point since 
you know, I have a decent amount on my blog and I've been kind of doing it consistently for almost three years. There's, um, like I do get traffic that comes to my site and then people contact me and say, Hey, I like came to your site for, you know, through a blog post and it was just what I was looking for or something. Yeah. Um, so those two I get the most, but it's definitely a long game. Like it I feel is. like you can't, you can't really see any of that type of thing pay off for like at least a year, really more two or three. I think um, so. And I, I, I actually just had to open my, and my phone dinged in the background because I turned it off of airplane mode to check your Instagram because I wanted to highlight you've got just over a thousand followers and that's mm-hmm. been a slow build. I imagine Instagram's a slow mm-hmm. build. Um, but I point that out because you're not, you're not, you know, at the 10 K or even 5 K marker and no, and you don't need a lot. You just need the right people, and when you're putting out the right content just for those right people, you can do a lot with a very small audience. And I don't, I, I don't, you don't even, you still don't even have to build your Instagram. You can do it without Instagram. But if you are doing that, you don't need a lot. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. You what? just need the right people. You just, <laughs> There's no exactly. way I could work with a thousand clients in a year anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So just a handful of those. Um, so. What, tell me about LinkedIn because that's a space that um, – so what, what do you post there? Um, so I have like a page for my business, you know, in addition to like my, my personal LinkedIn page. And okay. so I'll post on both of those. I'll share the podcast episodes. Okay. So those are every other week and then blog posts on the off week. So once a week I'm posting stuff there. That's, that's more quiet. Like I said, I get less okay. stuff going on there, but okay. I – I don't know. I feel like it's still a place, a good place to, um, it doesn't take, you know, it takes like a few minutes to share the link to those things, you know, things. And I kind of use the same, whatever caption I wrote for Instagram for it or introduction, I'll, I'll paste it on there as well. So it's not that much extra work. Um, so yeah, I'm not super active. I'm as active on there, but once a week I'll, I'll post something. Okay. Do you, um, and I guess I'm selfishly asking this, but um, do you engage other than that, or do you just kind of just post your stuff and leave? Um, on LinkedIn, I'll I'll like like and occasionally comment on like other people's stuff that I you know yeah that they post that or people I know. I'm not very good on LinkedIn or Instagram either okay. of like. <laughs> I feel like I would just get caught in a rabbit hole if I was there, like, commenting and, like, DMing people all day yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I am a little bit more of, like, post and leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do, you know, if people message me, I'm, I try to be fairly quick to respond or, sure. you know, reply sure. back to comments and stuff. But um, really the most kind of, like, outreach type of thing that I do is on Instagram, like, occasionally when I have time, I haven't done this in a while, I'll go through the followers of other uh, accounts or pages or people that are kind of in a similar, that attract a similar client to what I work with. So either, like, a factory or a trade show that all those people might attend. Right. Um, and I'll go through and I'll like follow a whole bunch of brands okay. um, that are following that place. And then, and that's pretty much all I do is I'll just follow them and, you know, occasionally, you know, like or comment on one of their posts. And then a lot of them end up will follow me back 
as okay. well. So Okay, gotcha. That's about all I do in terms of outreach. And that's, you know, I'll kind of go through and batch do that if I have time and then yeah. won't do it for like months. So. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, I asked on the LinkedIn thing because I feel like um, I was posting the po- the podcast and some other content there sometimes, but I was like, I don't feel like this is really working. It just feels really one-sided because I, I don't really love, I don't like LinkedIn. I can't be there. I just can't. Instagram is, <laughs> is I feel it's kind of like the one place I've chosen. I'm like, okay, this is as much as I can do. Um, mm-hmm. But I was like posting there and stuff and I was like, I felt like it was just really one-sided. I was like, I'm just promoting my stuff here and that feels kind of a little ugh. Like is that, I just didn't feel like the type of platform that that was really how it worked. Um, and I wasn't organically, uh, attracted to engaging there. Whereas like on Instagram, I do try to engage a little bit, but it feels normal. It feels natural for me. Um, mm-hmm. so I was just kind of, that was a little selfish conversation there of just like, yeah, yeah I can, you I know? can see that. Yeah. I can see that. I wish I had more time to like engage, you know, engage with yeah. what other people are posting too. Yeah. Um, especially on LinkedIn, but it's, it's some of it is just, I don't have time yeah. <laughs> to get lost in it. Um, But, I mean, in terms of, like, feeling selfish for promoting stuff, like, the way that I've looked at it, because I'm very much, like, I don't like to be in the spotlight. I'm very introverted and, you know, don't want to be kind of, like, in front of people with, like, eyes on me. Um, So I kind of had to get over that, too, of just to post stuff or even a little bit the imposter syndrome of, like, there are other people who know way more about this or have like worked in the industry way longer than me. Like sure. why, why should I be the one to like write this blog post and share mm. it in the world? You know, um, like somebody else could do, probably do it better. Um, but then I had to kind of get over it and say, well, you know, not like some people may just be, you know, attracted to the way I write mm-hmm. or my specific point of view. And so even if it's a topic that's been talked about before, like I can say it in my own way or because I know specifically who my customer is and like Mm. kind of a lot of the background of like how they think and what they care about. Like I can maybe talk about it in a way that is very specific to how does this affect the type of brands my clients are running. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it can be more personal. And then in that way, like I'm helping those people like learn something that they, you know, like a lot of my blog posts stem from like people have asked me a question or multiple people have asked me the same question yeah, um, or are sharing about a similar topic or idea. And so then, you know, I'm answering their question. I'm just putting it out there so more people can benefit from it. Right. Uh, So now I don't really feel like it's selfish to promote what I'm doing because I'm always tying it back to like, you know, if you're a, you know, a brand in my market, like here's what you're going to learn from this, you know, that can help your business. Yeah. You're providing not value. Just like, yeah. 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 So, um, on that note, I mean, it's a lot of work to run a podcast. You now know firsthand. It's not, <laughs> yeah. I, I was, um, on a, what was I doing earlier? I think I was recording a, a intro and outro earlier for a podcast this morning. And I was talking about how it's like, I think it's a lot like fashion. Like you can look at the garment from the outside and you can be like, well, you just like sew it up and you put it on the shelf. It's not that easy. It's the same with the podcast. You don't just record mm-hmm. it and put it on the shelf. There's a lot of moving pieces. Um, and you said, you know, it's a little bit of a long game. So you were blogging and creating content. Now, granted, a lot of that was producing value and giving you a place to direct 
um, prospects or even maybe clients mm-hmm. to, to if they had that question, you could say, oh, here, you know what? I wrote a, blo- a blog post on that. Read this. Mm-hmm. And that saves yeah. you a lot of time from having to re-explain it a hundred times. Um, but, you know, you said it was, it felt like a long game of building up that content to the point where it actually started generating leads that were turning into like paying projects. Like you were tr- mm-hmm. truly getting an ROI on it. How did you continue to, and in the meantime, I know your business has grown. You are like, you turn clients away. You're like, I'm booked two to three months in advance. Um, (laughs) how were you sort of justifying working on this content that you maybe weren't really seeing any direct return from other than being able to point people to for a resource? Um, and then at the same time seeing like, okay, that's taking up time. But in the meantime, I'm like turning clients away or I'm saying I'm like three months booked out. Um, how did you justify or continue to find the motivation to can, to keep creating that content before you saw the return? Yeah, that's a good question. So part of it, so I've been blogging for a while, but the podcast is uh, only a year old. Okay. Um, so, and I started that, so it, it, like, the timing worked out perfectly. Like, literally, like, the week before, um, kind of, like, lockdown started last March, um, I had signed up for um, Jonathan Stark's pricing seminar course. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, you might, I think you, you. Yeah, Jonathan familiar. Stark from the um, Freelancer show. show. Mm-hmm. I love, I haven't listened to it in a long time, but, and they have nothing to do with fashion. They're more, like, yeah. software people, but. They They're are, which so... my, my husband is a software person, so oh. it's like I have enough of a connection to like yeah. get what they're talking about. They're and apply really it, so. smart on their strategy, though. They are. So okay. I, I took that class, and I was almost like, I don't know if this is going to be relevant to me because I'm in fashion, like yeah. you know, they're more in software. Um, but it actually was really helpful, and because it was like during those three, like the three months class was, um during like the slow time, the slowest time that I had in my business, like it, I really thought a lot about the strategy. So it was, it was talking about not just like how to price your work as like a consultant or independent professional kind of, you know, freelancer or agency owner. Sure. Um, but, um, thinking about like, what is the customer journey? Like, how are they coming in contact with you? And mm-hmm. how are you, like, how are they, how are you building trust with them? Mm-hmm. Um, and then having like a, a product ladder of different like services or products um, that aren't just like your most premium, like I do everything white glove, you know, custom service for you mm-hmm. at a high price point, you know, cause, be- and I was like, that is a great, uh, <laughs> that is a, that is a great question. Cause like I had really just been like, you can hire me to do pattern making, you know, custom development for your brand, which is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't really anything to lead people from like just having heard of me to trusting me enough to like spend that much money with me. Mm. Um, and like I was still getting people, you know, people were still hiring me, but yeah, you still had it, a very successful business. Yeah, but it made me think more like, okay, what can I do to fill an in between? And then one of the lessons was, um, one of the weeks was about like, okay, don't like the homework is not to start a podcast, but if you were to start a podcast, (laughs) you know, what would you call it? Who would it be for? Um, and what are some things you could talk about? Um, and so I had done that, you know, brainstormed and come up with the podcast idea, um, 
It's called How Fitting is my podcast. Which I love your name. It's just perfect. It's so <laughs> yeah, it like, clever it's easy to say, and easy simple. To yeah. And like super appropriate. How fitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. the, the name is so fitting. I mean, not to be so <laughs> too cheesy with it, but I, I love the name. I remember when you first announced it, I was like, oh man, she nailed the name. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. It came to me as I was laying in bed late at night. As night. a lot like, of ideas do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had come up with that idea and I was like, I like, this seems like a lot. I'm not actually going to start the podcast. Um, but like some of the reasons why he said like it can be really helpful is not just as content marketing, but if you're interviewing, you know, if you're interviewing guests, like you don't have to come up with an hour's worth of stuff to talk about yourself. It's mostly just asking questions to the guest. Mm-hmm. And if you're interviewing people in your target market, um, like potential clients, you're you're pretty much getting to pick their brain for an hour. But totally. if you were to like talk to this, if you were to like reach out to someone and say, hey, can I pick your brain for an hour? They'll probably say no. But yeah, if you yeah, say yeah. like, hey, can I interview on my podcast for an hour? Like they're going to say yes, because there's a benefit to both people. So it's like, that is brilliant. Yeah. And so now it's like I've been able to have a year of conversations with people and just like ask them about their business and ask them about like what are the challenges and what are like what things are you most proud of and yeah you know what you know how did you decide to turn your business into a business and you know because some people's businesses start as just a hobby at yeah. first. Now I know you have always been very diligent about continually uh, conversing with your customer and talking to them and understanding their, you know, their, their needs Mm -hmm. and their challenges, like on a level deeper than they understand it themselves. I know that's always been a strength of yours. Um, and I think you and I have a very similar personality on that and like got to continue, keep doing the customer research, but how (laughs) much has that continued to grow even deeper since you started the podcast? Yeah. So it's, it's really helped, I think, just to, to see, you know, what are, the setbacks what are the you know like how are their values because you know I work with more values driven brands Mm -hmm. so like how do their values affect their decisions and their Mm. business and you know even sometimes like how does the mindset of working in fashion or working in like starting a fashion business when you don't have a background in fashion like what are some of the things that like held them back maybe from calling it a business or feeling like they're a business owner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So so it's really interesting. And even like one of the things, um, that I started and I've been kind of doing like a, a beta test group of this year that kind of grew out of, again, talking to more of my clients and, and seeing like, what things can I help my target audience with that maybe aren't you know, are slightly different than like, how can I help them in a way that's different than what I'm doing now that may be more beneficial or like, what am I missing here? Um, is I realized that there's like a group of those small fashion brand owners that, um, they might have some background in, in the fashion industry and are making the pat- their patterns themselves. So like, they don't want to hire a right. pattern maker to do it for them either because right. they're small and they're wanting to save save money in the beginning or they just enjoy doing it themselves but um they might have questions on like oh I'm stuck in this like I don't know quite how to make this design I've never done a silhouette like this before or like how do I set this up so it's you know 
you know, what seam allowance do I use for a factory if I'm wanting to do this type of seam or something? Right, right, right. Um, and like, where do you go? There's lots of like home sewing like yep. forums and advice on that. Totally. And there's not very much, um, like fashion production industry. ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Unless you like go to school for it. So I was like, well, school is expensive and you don't really and get to long. work on your brand. <laughs> yeah. You have to work on your assignments. Yeah. And so I started, um, it's still kind of in the, in the beta phase now, but this fall I'll be like officially launching it. It'll be like a monthly subscription to like a forum. And then two, it'll have like two group calls a month with me. Um, where people can just like ask their questions about like, Hey, I'm stuck on this pattern. What do I do? Or like, why isn't this like, here's a picture of it on my dress form. Like I can't figure out why it's not fitting. Like, what do I do to adjust the pattern? And so like, that was a gap then that I saw that like, I can still help women's slow fashion brands overcome technical unknowns and get designs to production with confidence by doing that, even though it's not directly me doing patterns for them. It's like a different rung on your ladder of services, like you said. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like a cheaper, more accessible, you know, much lower per month as opposed to like investing in a whole, like having me do the whole pattern rating for me. Yeah. 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 And then you have the podcast content and the blog content, which, which like you free. said, which is free, but like you said earlier, which you learned from the Jonathan Stark pricing course was, which sounds like it was amazing, um, mm-hmm. was what is people, like what's the path that they take that goes from zero, meaning they don't know you or anything, to hiring you for let's say a few thousand dollars. And mm-hmm. at that point in time, you didn't have any path. So now they have, okay, they have the opportunity to consume some free content. So they get to know you, they get to like you, get the, they get to trust you. And it makes that, whether it be, um, and, and that program you're running is called Pattern Workshop. Is that correct? Yeah, Pattern Making Workshop. Pattern Making Workshop. Or workroom, okay. yeah. Oh, sorry, Pattern Making Workroom. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so they get to know you and like you and trust you through free content, which is providing them with massive value. Um answering a lot of questions that they probably already had and speaking so directly to them because your niche is so focused and dialed in. And then they have the opportunity to either say, oh my gosh, you know what? Allison's the one I need to hire her because I don't want to do anything with it and I just want to like pay. But it makes that decision a lot easier. Or they could say, you know what? I'm kind of in the middle of like DIYing it, but I do need a little help. And they can go into pattern making workroom. Um, mm-hmm. So you've really built it out. I got to throw out a disclaimer here, you guys though. Dear listener, like this is advanced stuff. <laughs> I don't like if you're just yeah, starting. I, mean, I had yeah. I literally had like one thing when I started was like you can hire me to help you with stuff in fashion. You know, <laughs> I you can hire me. I can do some technical design. Cool. Yeah, that's that's all I. That was it. With, so. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you guys, I just want to be very clear that like depending on where you are in your freelancing journey, I know we have a lot of beginners listening. Um, we definitely do have people though that have been building for a couple years, and I think this stuff could be attractive to them. Don't get overwhelmed about like diving into this tomorrow, or depending on where you're at. Maybe this is just an interesting inspiration of where your freelancing business could go. Um, so you've like built it out in such a big way. Um, I'd love to have you share. So two years ago when we talked, which was two years into your freelance career, um, Mm -hmm. now you're about four years in. So about halfway in of where you are now, you were beating your full-time salary by 25%. Um, and then you and I chatted on Instagram. Now you're four years in and you've grown 
you posted something that you were like, I just had an insane month. I like beat my record of income, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, what's going on? So could you share a little bit about your um, income progress over like where you're at now? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously 2020 was a little bit like I did not meet my goals for last year. Okay. Fair um, enough. But I was able like 2019 and 2020 were kind of the same. They were like within a few thousand dollars. Oh, so you uh, still like totally maintained. Oh yeah. Yeah. I totally maintained, but I did not grow Girl. it to where I wanted to last year. If it's worth um, anything, um, we actually did about the same in 2019 versus 2020. We had big goals to grow and we maintained, which I was actually, and I feel like maybe you thought this too. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take that maintain and I'm going to be happy with that. Cause it was such mm-hmm. a tough year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyways, keep going. Yeah. So this year I'm averaging about like 75% more than my like than the salary I left when I started freelancing. Okay. So it's grown. A lot. Well, that so that'll end up like, uh, if I can, if I'm doing my math right, fifty percent more than like 2019. And 2020. Yeah, since they were those about were the, the same. same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for number, like just for like flat even numbers, I'm not saying these are the numbers. If and these, I'm just using an easy number. If you are making a hundred thousand dollars at a job, you'd be making one hundred seventy-five thousand as a freelancer. Is that correct? That would be a seventy-five yep. percent. Okay, got it. Um, well, beautiful and congratulations. That is like mm-hmm. amazing trajectory and growth. And um, you are earning that currently uh, doing all the work yourself. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. Yep. Is your workload still reasonable-ish? Um, at the moment, it's been pretty busy this year. Part okay. of that is also um, I'm the regional director for Fashion Group International St. Louis. Okay. Um, and so we're, we have a big anniversary event. It's our 85th anniversary oh, um, at yeah. the chapter in St. Louis. So okay. we've been doing a lot of work to to plan. We, we have like a history exhibit and, a, and like three-day symposium event coming up. Okay. So at the moment, I'm really swamped with that. But outside um, of that. Of work. <laughs> but outside of that, yeah, I'm, I, I feel like I've hit my capacity in terms of out, like hours spent where I don't want to work any more hours. All right, you guys, we're going to cut it there. I know it might feel a little bit abrupt, but as I mentioned at the top of the show, this conversation continues on for quite a bit of time, and so we split it into two episodes. The next part of the episode will be coming out um, next week where we really dive into the strategy session with Allison and we talk about her growth and ways she can manage that so she can continue to take on more clients um, without adding more hours to her work week. So if you are interested in hearing about that, then definitely tune in next week for part two of my conversation with Allison. And in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed in Apple Podcasts or wherever you tune in so that you do not miss an episode. And if you would like to kick ass as a freelancer in the fashion industry and create the freedom and flexibility in life that you uh my guess is that you so badly want, which we don't always get in fashion, um, while also choosing projects that you love and that you're excited about and brands that you really believe in, like Allison has positioned herself to do and, and doing projects that you feel good about, um, then head on over to SoHeidi.com slash freelance. The link is in the show notes. You can check out all my free resources, um, step-by-step strategies on building your freelance career. 
And I will also send you when the next time our freelance accelerator program opens up, I will send you all of the information about that. Um, Allison is one of our amazing kick-ass students. And if you would like more direct support and step-by-step guidance, as well as the opportunity to hop on the, uh, live strategy sessions with me, um, which is what will be airing next week for Allison, then uh, joining Freelance Accelerator is how you get access to all of that. So sign up for the email list at sohai.com slash freelance, which gets you access to my free resources instantly. And um, we'll let you know when Freelance Accelerator opens. In the meantime, thank you so much for being here and listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. Also, huge shout out to Mark, my husband, who does all the tech and editing and audio behind the scenes and make sure the show sounds good in your earbuds, as well as Tara, my right hand kick ass everything of everything who coordinates the show and the guests and make sure that it gets pushed out to you guys so that you can hear all the goodness here so thank you so much you guys i really appreciate having you here this show is so much fun to create and produce and um, i really appreciate you listening and letting me spend a little bit of time with you every couple weeks or however often you're listening so all right that's it i'll talk to you soon bye